3: Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly.
1: I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells.
3: And today we're discussing Road Games, released November 19th, 1981. It was written by Everett DeRoche, based on a story by DeRoche and Richard Franklin, directed by Richard Franklin, and released by Avco Embassy Pictures. While working together on Richard Franklin's previous film, Patrick, Franklin gave screenwriter Everett DeRoche a copy of Rear Window's script to influence the formatting of that script. DeRoche fell so in love with the story that he pitched a sort of road movie Rear Window as their next project together. After Patrick, Franklin flew out to Fiji to produce The Blue Lagoon, where he and DeRoche spent an eight-day production break in a Fiji hotel, writing the first draft of what became Road Games. Sean Connery was sought but unaffordable in the lead, Opposite Australian actress Lisa Piers. The lead went to Stacy Keach and US distributors insisted on an American actress, so Piers was traded for Jamie Lee Curtis. The Australian acting unions objected to the casting of Americans in both lead roles until some kind of compromise was reached, but I couldn't find details on that.
1: Money. I'm assuming <laughs> some
3: money in some way. Keach learned to drive a sixteen gear semi truck in forty eight hours for the film what? and actually drives for a large portion of it. Do you guys recall the last time we had someone get a trucking license for a film? Oh
4: was it um was it the one with the curly hair blonde lady?
3: Same guy, different movie. I think.
4: Back roads, no. Um but you're saying it's um Robert no, uh Robert Blake. hmm And it's not the one with curly blonde haired lady. It's the if, other one. if
3: you're talking about secondhand hearts then it's not that one
4: no i'm not thinking of secondhand hearts i'm thinking of the one where he picks up a lady and drives across the country in a truck
3: and that's called i don't know what what do they do they drive from what to what
1: coast to coast
4: ah! yeah,
3: that's right oh
4: God. <laughs> no they drive across country <laughs>
3: Um, I think we also talked about it in scanners because there was a situation where he was supposed to drive a truck away from the facility where they make the ephemeral. And there was like, as soon as he got on the road, there was some accident where people got distracted by the production on the side of the road and a person died. And, they oh, were, and then he was like, yeah, I'm not going to drive this truck anymore. <laughs> so somebody else could drive this truck. I'm not going to be a part of this. The production budget was around $1.75 million. I guess Connery was asking for two, so that would have been more than the entire production budget. Right. This was reportedly the highest ever for an Australian film, though I think we say that every time we cover an Australian movie. Mm-hmm. So they might have just been constantly one-upping the price. While the movie was something of a bomb upon its release, Franklin credits it with landing him the job directing Psycho 2 in 1983. We fade right into picture, no opening titles or anything. The camera pans from trash cans in a dark alley to a nearby Melbourne motel, the Car Hotel, and an 18-wheeler pulls into frame and parks. Pat Quid, played by Stacy Keach, talks to his co-pilot Boswell.
2: Ah, oh, last motel in town again, eh, Boswell?
3: As he describes the luxuries they're sure to find inside, Boswell stands into frame and we see it's a dog. A voice calls out from the CB. It's four to
2: Gypsy Face 4 to Gypsy, three
3: nine zero seven. Do you copy? Quid takes the opportunity to prank
2: the dispatcher. Mayday, Mayday. This is flight 77. I seem to be in a great deal of trouble. I'm going down. I need help. Over. Is that you,
3: Gypsy, three nine zero seven? She doesn't buy it for a second, but Quid instructs her to use his name in place of his call sign. He turns down the urgent job she's calling about, but seems distracted when a van pulls up to the motel across the street. He drags the microphone across his 5 o'clock shadow to simulate the static of a worsening connection, but ultimately, he agrees to show up to Melbourne Meatworks at 5 a.m. tomorrow.
1: For double time.
3: Right.
4: Well, there's some sort of strike that's happening. Oh, is there? Yeah, so he's, I think he's like a scab here, and, and he's hes hauling meat, because there seems to be some sort of strike that's preventing...
3: And it's an emergency.
4: Well, it's pre- yeah, it's preventing, mo- at some point on the radio they mention it oh okay that most of the west coast i think is missing meat because of, of this strike
3: oh okay the van driver checks into the motel and a passenger steps out of his van quid recognizes the girl as a hitchhiker they passed earlier
2: i told you we should have picked her up now that clown's
3: gonna get her when quid finally climbs down from his truck the no beside vacancy lights up and the van driver has snatched up the last available room. they will spend tonight in the truck quid assumes out loud that she'll be in bed with this guy before she even takes her socks off and we cut to an insert of her feet still in socks in the room the rest of her seems naked behind a guitar as she begins to play
1: isn't it weird how you seem more naked when you're naked with sweat with still with socks but then
3: less naked when the guitar is there (laughs) yeah (laughs) fixes everything
4: Whose guitar was it well it's his because he uses a guitar wire
3: oh it makes sense Behind her, the driver is in their brightly lit bathroom, pulling open a baggie with a guitar string in it. He makes a loop with the string and wraps it tight around some gloves before returning to the room and throwing the loop around the girl's neck. Just when she might have let out a scream, we cut to sanitation workers tripping over trash cans in the alley and waking Quid in his truck. I assume they were freaking out because they just found a body, Right, but but that's that's not not what's happening. They're just for some reason running around and kicking trash cans. Quid hears the men shouting back and forth and then climbs into the front seat to let Boswell out to take a piss. The dog gets distracted with a pair of hefty bags on the curb, and Quid notices the van driver watching his dog from a motel room window. Boswell nearly gets the corner of one of the bags chewed open before Quid calls him back to the truck. The sanitation workers take the bags away from the dog, and we hard cut to a line of hanging pig carcasses in a freezer, and we finally get our opening credits. Presumably this is Melbourne Meatworks, and Quid is here to take delivery. The art on the side of the shipping container is a big cartoon pig with a meat cleaver saying pleased to meet you, M-E-A-T, in a word bubble, as he chops up an entire pig leg, possibly his own, (laughs) but it's definitely a betrayal of his species either way. Back on the road, he passes an overloaded family vehicle and guesses the details of their life. He's an accountant, she's a nagging wife, and on the other side, he sees a car filled to the brim with assorted sports balls. Now there's a man with balls. A sign in the back window of the ball car advertises some kind of security system. Later, he sees a motorcyclist sneezing in his helmet and nearly crashing, trying to wipe down the inside of his visor. Sneezy rider.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that got a chuckle out of me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Quid offers Boswell a sausage and pulls out a celery stick for himself. He notices another lady hitchhiker on the road and feigns a conversation with Boswell about picking her up, eventually siding with his company's regulations and blowing past her.
1: Sorry, the celery. I washed it i didn't <laughs> <laughs> i didn't
3: foot long who's got the foot long whatever i see someone feeding a dog in a truck i think of that closer we see the woman from behind and she holds on to her hat as the truck passes so it doesn't blow away he comes upon a car hauling a boat labeled lady luck 2 boswell notices the van from the motel is right behind them
1: uh so when i first saw this boat I I couldn't quite see the lady luck part. All I saw was the UCK and then the two, and I thought the two was the IT, and I
3: thought it said fuck "Fuck it. it." (laughs) Friggin' boat.
1: I was like, that's a great name for a boat.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Quid's truck sneaks by the boat owner, and the guy nearly crashes, intimidated by the size of the truck. The van tailgates to pass with Quid, but as soon as it's ahead of the boat guy, the man's windshield explodes with the sound of a gunshot, suggesting the van driver just shot out the glass. I don't know why he would do that
1: think that he did
3: why did this windshield explode i
1: don't know best i can do is that he maybe threw a rock from the tire
4: that's what i thought i thought the truck caused it by something yeah flying like debris flying from the truck
3: i don't know it just sounded like there was a gunshot on the track right before it explodes the van is being weird behind quid but won't commit to passing the truck as the van finally passes quid looks down into the car to see a cooler in the passenger seat when a disturbing thought crosses his mind.
2: Why does anybody get up at five o'clock in the morning to watch the garbage collectors?
3: As Quid's truck enters a desert known as the Nullabor Plain, he throws on a harmonica stand to play along with some cassette tapes of classical music. Boswell seems unimpressed.
1: I, f- I feel like these are all things that he's doing, uh, that he's doing to keep himself focused. Right, to Cause stay awake because yeah, he's cause,
3: way over time.
1: Yeah, and he's got. I did the like the quick calculations. It's like twenty one hundred plus
3: miles. Right. Yeah, Nullarbor is the yeah. longest desert in Australia. He flips to the radio just in time to hear a news story about various body parts that have been discovered in separate nearby incidents. The hand and leg are being tested against each other to see if they belong to the same victim or if this might be the work of a serial killer. Then, he sees newlyweds in a van, and it looks like the bride is about to blow her husband while they drive. Or maybe she just did? I can't tell. A ways down the road, he notices something stretched out across it, something pink, and he slams on his brakes to avoid colliding with it. But just as the truck comes to a complete stop, we see that it's pink toilet paper. And suddenly, a woman throws open the passenger side of the cab and hops in.
2: Uh, wait a minute, miss. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not allowed to pick up hitchhikers.
0: Oh, I'm not a hitchhiker. I'm not hitchhiking. My idiot husband drove off and left me here.
3: Left me here is a really nice way to say murdered. Yeah, <laughs> this is one of the biggest deserts in the world, and he yeah. left her here for dead.
4: <laughs> that seems very odd. Now I know that they were arguing earlier because mm-hmm. he could see this was the same couple he could see in the car arguing. Right. Yeah. But yeah, like, was he just banking on the fact that somebody would pick her
1: up? I
3: guess that he assumed there was enough traffic here that she would she would find a ride.
1: I uh, there's so many things that are weird about this. One that I guess she ran the toilet paper back and forth across the Why street. Why did she have pink to, toilet paper? Well, I'm assuming that they, they <laughs> It was just in a
3: bag that she had. Well, yeah, maybe she got out to poop and he yeah, left.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm assuming happened. Like, she had to go to the bathroom and he saw his opportunity yeah. to, to just take off. But, but the
3: newlyweds just drove through the toilet paper?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's so odd that we, we're, we're constantly coming up across these cars that are running around at the same speed. Yeah. Or... Or we, we get to a location just after or just before them. Yeah. I
4: think that that happens, though, when you're on long stretches of road. You end up, you know, sort of playing leapfrog with the mm-hmm. same cars over and over because you stop, they stop. You know, that seems to happen.
1: No, I, no, I, I agree that that happens. It just seems, it just seems like the, the odds of that she had time to run this back and forth and Quid was the first person to hit it. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. But also, why did you have your doors unlocked in this truck? Yeah. So that if someone can just climb in, that seems that would seem like trucker one hundred and one. Don't give people access to the cab.
3: Yeah, I I think he might have just been unlocking the car to check and see what it was that was strung across the road when she jumped in. When they get moving again, she asks about his dog, and Quid corrects that it's actually a dingo, and that dogs are garbage.
2: Well, what, do you,
0: what do you want to keep a dingo for?
2: Well, I like him. He doesn't eat too much He's quiet A dingo is a kind of dog So what's the difference? A dog is a parasite hybrid I mean, he chases cars He barks at shadows And he eats his own feces But a dingo dingo's clean He's intelligent He's quiet In fact, he's physically incapable of barking That's why they call him the silent dog He's an aristocrat
3: Like me We see the hitchhiker in all white again, and she grabs her hat as Quid drives by. His uninvited passenger picks on him for not stopping, especially with this maniac on the loose chopping up girls. What
2: maniac? The one on the radio, on the news. Yeah, go on. I don't know, just some maniac.
3: Yeah? Well, what else did they say about him? Did they say what kind of rig he drove? The woman starts to get spooked and realizes that Quid mentioned her accountant husband and asks how he knew that. They come to a roadblock in the wake of an accident, probably another car with its windows shot out by the van driver, and Quid decides to take an off-road shortcut. They start playing 21 questions as they drive, and in the second or third round, the lady wins because she's describing a man they've just passed on the road and Quid didn't even notice him. I didn't see any man back there.
0: Of course you didn't. You were too busy arguing, but there was a man back there standing beside a dark green van and he was digging a hole.
3: Quid is instantly freaked out and slams on his brakes. He watches the man through binoculars, and sees the cooler and more trash bags on the ground. Quid isn't being very subtle, so the van driver gathers his shit in the vehicle and skids away. Quid's passenger accuses him of being crazy or going through withdrawal from drugs, but he's not listening to her anymore. The more he talks about death and murder and trying to solve this case out loud, the more freaked out she gets, and eventually she breaks off and runs into the desert. She very nearly runs right over a cliff into the sea when Quid catches up with her. She only agrees to return to the truck with him when he agrees not to involve her in his private investigation of the van driver.
1: Well, th- there's a little more to it than that because she's part of this strike. Right. Um, her, or her husband is. Yeah. And he's been accused of some kind of- Embezzlement. Embezzlement, yeah. But that, they
3: don't want to be a part of any investigations or right. to give testimony to anyone.
1: But if this is how she reacts
4: to being upset, like runs off into the desert, I could see why her husband left. Yeah.
3: <laughs> She claims she has her own problems and will deny having seen any killer. Quid gets her to the roadhouse where he promised to drop her off and then calls in a tip to the police on his own. While he's on the phone, the camera seems distracted with a mural on the wall of Australian rangers stabbing indigenous people with swords. The camera floats around the roadhouse past a Playboy pinball machine to a couple men who seem to be eavesdropping on the tip. We're listening to Quid's voice the whole time as we continue past muted conversations. We see the sneezy writer seated at the bar, now with his helmet off so we can see that it's being played by Robert Thompson, who played the titular Patrick in director Franklin's earlier film. The camera continues panning until it lands back on Quid at the phone. American distributors asked for this scene to be cut because they thought it was a waste of time in the middle of the movie, but director Franklin was insistent on keeping it. He's already having trouble making a report, but when he asks for help from the regulars, nobody answers his questions, and they pick a song on the jukebox to drown out his phone call.
2: No, no, it's Q-U-I-D. D is D isn't death the young girl, you cretin.
3: He hangs up and starts to walk out when the bartender warns him that locals will shoot his dingo on sight in accordance with the law, so he'd better keep it the hell out of town. He starts calling for Boswell outside, and we see his previous hitchhiker is now joining the Sneezy Rider. Quid finds Boswell in the cab, but the dog seems out of it. Maybe like he's been hurt by these people.
4: I was confused by this because, and I I don't know if I missed something, but he's got a spot on his head. Yeah. And he refers back to this spot several times, and even later he says something to the effect of somebody hit him. right. i I think
3: that's just his suspicion of what happened to the dog but like
4: we yeah we have no indication of what happened to the dog i thought the dog was shot in the head at first but i'm just like god but he's fine but there is like a spot of blood or something yeah like they they don't really do a good job i I wonder if they did a scene where the dog got hit and people were upset and they cut it out
3: yeah i wouldn't be surprised if that happened quid notices down the road that the green van is parked and swerves into a u-turn quid gives chase son of a bitch The green van blows past Lady Luck 2 again with his brand new windshield, but there's not enough room for Quid's truck to pass conveniently, or at least the driver seems to be swerving back and forth to ensure he can't get by.
1: Yeah, which is crazy. Like, like your your car versus an 18-wheeler?
3: Yeah, you're for sure going to lose this boat. And you already can't drive. I don't know. It seems like you're doing this on purpose. You're not just an idiot losing control. When the man notices Quid trying to pass him off-roading, he insanely swings his boat into the side of the 18-wheeler. The collision jostles the anchor loose, and it drags behind the car until it's caught under the wheels of Quid's truck, and the entire boat is yanked off the trailer into the road, and then obliterated by the truck passing through it. Quid hops out of his truck to check for damage, and then gets right back on the road while the boatman stomps in his junk pile. Quid sees the hitchhiker in white and thinks a third encounter is a sign, and slows to pick her up. The camera floats around to the front of her to reveal this is Jamie Lee Curtis showing up 40 minutes into the yeah, film. Yeah,
1: we're a ways in. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the last time we picked up Jamie Lee Curtis hitchhiking? Yeah.
3: there's more details than that. She seems surprised that the same truck that has now passed her twice is stopping for her now. Do you guys recall the last time we saw Jamie Lee Curtis hitchhiking and getting picked up by someone from the cast of The Ninth Configuration? No. The Fog. And they're all three Carpenter actors.
1: Yeah.
4: Who picked her up in The Fog? I don't remember. Tom
3: Atkins picked her up and he was sergeant krebs in the ninth configuration when she hops in she notices boswell's injury
0: oh what happened your dingo
3: he asks if she saw a green van and later once she's heard quid's full story she wonders why the van man didn't pick her up quid refers to her as hitch and she rejects the moniker but he keeps using it quid asks her about her family but she's too distracted with his serial killer theory
0: maybe that's how he gets his rocks off your father no you're mr smith or jones you know the boston strangler was on a sex trip
3: this is a bit of an inside joke because 13 years earlier her father tony curtis had played the boston strangler in the film of the same name
4: i like that in the credits at the end they call him mr Mr. smith Smith or Jones. Jones.
3: (laughs) they start playing a road game called the smith or jones game they try to plan the murders to learn the killer's method and motivation She tells Quid that he's not up for the challenge anyway because he's too comfortable here in his big truck. He brags about his military service record until he notices a police car following them and advises her to hide if she did indeed run away from her family.
2: Your father might have the cops out looking for you?
3: he wouldn't do that. Oh yeah? She hides in the bunk behind his curtain. The cops ask him to step out of the car and inform him that someone checked into a motel under his name with a hitchhiker a few days ago and he immediately denies it claiming the man took his name off the truck they ask him for his truck logs and his whereabouts for the last few saturdays he tries to warn them about the man in the green van just as they notice his logbook indicates that he is skipping mandatory breaks to make this pork delivery eventually they release quid back to his truck he tells hitch that the cops didn't want to hear about the van driver and she insists that they solve the mystery themselves that night they camp under a big tree Beside a campfire, Quid recites the last few lines from Percy Bysshe Shelley's Ozymandias poem.
2: Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare. Alone in level sand, stretch
3: far away. The same poem, which inspired what is considered by most to be the best episode of Vince Gilligan's Breaking Bad, and star Brian Cranston recites the same poem and promotional materials for the second half of the final season. Nothing
2: beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, alone and level sands, stretch far away.
3: Quid finally asks Hitch, or Pamela as she finally introduces herself, directly what her story is. So far he's gathered that her father is someone important. So come on.
2: Who's your dad? Come on. I promise I won't hold it
3: against you.
0: He's in the diplomatic service, let's call it.
3: Quid tells her about this abandoned station and what happened to the people of this town.
2: They were devoured by the dreaded Orectologus cuniculus.
0: Sounds erotic.
2: Listen. Listen very carefully. You can hear him out there munching. Is he animal, mineral, or vegetable? Or is it man, advancing like an army of plastic dentures, devouring his
3: fellow man? And woman. And woman. When she asks what the hell he's talking about, he explains that the Latin monster he described is actually a rabbit, and he launches into the story of the Plague of Rabbits in the 1800s. Do you guys recall the last time we discussed the Australian Rabbit Plague of the 1800s? It
4: was one of our Australian movies. Nope. It wasn't? Nope. <laughs> oh. Oh. I remember we talked about the Rabbit Proof Fence movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why were we talking about it?
3: I'll give you a clue. It's a movie about a rabbit plague.
4: Oh, was it The Night of the Lepus? Yes, it
3: was. (laughs) It opens with the story of the Australian rabbit plague.
1: I thought we were going to make another pregnancy rabbit joke. Oh,
3: no. She steps away from the fire to take a shit, but at the top of the next hill she looks down in a flash of lightning and sees the man in the green van just sitting there looking at them. The next morning, she finds Quid doing something in the back of the trailer, unclear what, and he asks her to close the door to keep the cold in. She wipes in the dust on the back of the truck to spell out, Tomorrow's Bacon. As he climbs out, Quid starts into another poetry jam.
2: Goodbye and keep cold. Ah, (laughs) Dread 50 above, more than 50 below.
3: Which he attributes correctly to Robert Frost from his poem, Goodbye and Keep Cold. And then... In reference to the sleep they got the previous night, he launches into a bit of Emily Bronte, but this time Hitch recognizes the poem on her own.
2: Sleep not, dream not. This bright day will not, cannot last for a...
0: Emily Bronte. Read much of her stuff?
3: She asks him not to speak in poems, because they are old and he isn't, or she doesn't feel like he's old. They look like they're about to kiss until he asks what she wrote on the back of the truck, and it's her turn to speak in poems what's that
0: pig in a poke you better start shaking today's pig is tomorrow's bacon
3: later we see Hitch calling her dad to report she is alive and it sounds like she's just getting a lecture her stepmom jumps on the line and tells her she's gonna get raped by a trucker the guy with a car full of balls pulls up and his car alarm system seems busted he's shouting for help from the gas station attendant before they leave the station Hitch steps away for another bathroom break and again she spots the green van This time she calls it to Quid's attention. The van is parked and looks empty, so Quid goes to check the nearby bathrooms labeled with illustrations of Fred and Wilma Flintstone. Quid sneaks in with a fan blade in one hand. He sees a locked stall and someone seated inside, and he steps out to inform Hitch that the guy is in there. She tosses Quid a rope and then moves to investigate the van while he goes back to the bathroom. He addresses the man in the stall and basically forgives killing all those hitchhikers, but he can't tolerate someone kicking his dingo or whatever he assumes happened. The man in the stall shifts his position but doesn't respond to the words.
2: What's the matter, cat got your tongue, you miserable stink?
3: Quid steps outside again and watches Hitch disappear into the back of the van. We follow her through the dark until she's surprised by the face of the driver in a sleeping bag in the back. Back in the bathroom, the stall opens and it's Sneezy Rider inside, not Van Man. He tries to apologize and quickly realizes that the green van is gone. He tries to steal Sneezy Rider's motorcycle to get on the road after the killer, but he crashes the bike immediately. And it's actually Stacy Keach on a motorcycle yeah. crashing. In, like It doesn't look like an intentional crash even. He jumps back into his truck and catches up with the van just down the road.
1: He has to battle to get back into his truck because the, the whole the whole rig was lifted.
3: Yeah. Because yeah. he was making repairs. Trying to crank
1: repairs. it back down. Um, and they're all trying to grab him for, yeah. for the damage he did to the motorcycle. And he's—I think he's—he's he's holding machete. He's holding the, the fan blade. The, the, yeah, oh, the fan, blade. The fan right. blade
3: still. Yeah. From behind them, Quid doesn't think Hitch looks very kidnapped because she's barely moving. He honks at the car, and the van pulls away from them. And he assumes that Hitch has left willingly with the killer. He regrets picking her up in the first place. This no. is the weirdest leap of logic. I well, okay,
4: like. I don't understand this moment then. When you watch the rest of the film, I don't understand this section
3: he probably has a weapon on her or something we can't hear it and we never cut into the car
1: i mean i mean it's possible she's in the sleeping bag in in the seat
4: that just seems weird to me because like if you're leaving in a hurry and you just attacked her in the back of the truck Mm -hmm. to get her then in the front of the truck in a sleeping bag and have her sitting in a seat like just seems weird to me and he's sitting there driving like yeah
3: no i'm sure what's going on is that he just threw her into the passenger seat and skidded away and told her not to make a move or he would kill her, and he had some kind of a weapon.
4: I guess. Maybe.
3: Later, Quid hears a news story about the disappearance of Pamela Rushworth, daughter of U.S. diplomatic advisor. The anchorwoman mentions that she was last known to be in the company of a trucker in his early 40s and even suggests that the same man may be the lead suspect in the famous killings. Quid is obviously horrified to be so blatantly suspected, and the truck cab gets darker and darker. This is great. Yeah, Uh, as time is passing.
1: Yeah, this is like... The same kind of thing, like like when bad news or something goes wrong and everything just kinda like goes quiet yeah. and you just can't like even think.
3: Yeah. He tells Boswell he's not worried about it because the cops can't prove he was involved in anything because he wasn't. On the pitch black road, he spots the van parked again and approaches it on foot with Boswell in tow. Quid shines his flashlight into the van and spots the cooler again. He calls to hitch, but Boswell seems worried about the eighteen wheeler. Quid hears a moaning from the bushes and approaches with a flashlight, but the dog pulls away and runs back to the truck. The woman's moans sound a lot like sex as she calls out for a man named Harry, but somehow neither of them notice the man with the flashlight ten feet away. Quid assumes that Hitch and Harry are having sex and returns to the van to break into it, but the camera tilts up to reveal the newlyweds parked nearby, and Harry is probably not the van driver. Quid shatters the van window and snaps open the lunchbox cooler to reveal nothing much inside, just food. Somehow, there are still 30 minutes left in this movie. I was sure that like, this was all going to get wrapped up here on the side of the road. Right. He sees Boswell sitting toward the back of the trailer and then calls to the dog before driving away. As they get back on the road, the back door can be seen swinging open. Quid tells Boswell how disappointed he is that Hitch left like that. We keep watching the curtain to the bed behind the cab as though something were about to pounce. When suddenly, Quid slams on his brakes as a kangaroo jumps into the road ahead of them. When he stops, a few of Hitch's things come flying out of the curtain to the floor, and he tosses them back behind him.
4: I wasn't sure if this was going to be like a black dog kind of situation, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it's not a real stra- in Australia, it's like it's a black kangaroo. <laughs> yeah,
3: Kangaroo Jack hops out onto the road <laughs> if you've been driving for too long, and he does a little rap in his red jacket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> kangaroo Jack, everybody. <laughs>
3: The camera pans across to a thermometer on the wall, and the temperature in the trailer is up to 10 degrees now. Quid notices and parks to check the trailer. Boswell starts growling in the cab.
2: What's the matter, buddy? You know something I do?
3: not Quid finds the door hanging open and nearly closes it before deciding to flip on the lights and check inside just to make sure everything's okay. He notices a pair of meat slabs hanging toward the front of the trailer and is disturbed by the shape of them. He does a quick recount and determines that he's carrying two more pigs than the itinerary called for, but back on the road, we see him consider this a simple mistake. Even as he makes these excuses to himself, an echo of his voice shoots down everything he comes up with.
2: You know what probably happened? What? Sam just threw a couple of extras in by mistake. Sam doesn't make mistakes it was a little pale
3: In i don't know
2: fine this he's always taking care of his friends at perth happens all the time
3: the camera pushes into his face and we see the yellow pink dashes of the road superimposed over his face as he's driving i really like that shot
4: this shot is pr- pretty awesome yeah. like the just the alignment of it i'm like how did you do that it's a, it's a cool
3: composite because yeah. the, the
4: as the lights come down they align perfectly with his eyes yeah and i'm, and I'm guessing they, oh
3: the the taillights yeah yeah
4: the taillights so like I'm, I'm guessing you have to have done that in reverse so you you that makes sense you, yeah you started with the eyes aligned, and then wherever the lines went they yeah. just went so
3: so after after the paint dashes he sees the taillights and they they superimpose with his face to cause his eyes to glow bright red He chases the car as fast as he can, but it keeps capably ahead of him. When he's right on its tail, he sees two huge eyes staring at him through the back windows of the van, a hallucination probably, and then a half-transparent vision of Hitch spins around to laugh in his face because he's sleep-deprived and going crazy. From the front, we can see that the van driver has nobody in the passenger seat, and he's slowing down, so Quid assumes that he's out of gas. Unfortunately, they come to a way station, and Quid has to stop while the green van continues on. Cops that seem to be here waiting for Quid actually end up inspecting the green van and even help the man push it down the road a bit. Why isn't the person inside screaming for help? There's cops all around the van. Quid's friend at the weigh station says he's 75 kilos over, but seems to let him go through anyway. When Quid sees the van pull away, he tries to race off, but his friend tells him he's got a lot of wires wrapped around his undercarriage. Quid doesn't have time to deal with it right now and drives off and the cops follow him away.
1: Yeah, so the uh, more than likely because this is the anchor, yeah. Before, yeah, yeah, and that's what he's attributing like the extra weight for. Yeah, is he got something t- tangled up in there?
4: Would they stop you for seventy five extra kilos? That seems like I mean this guy didn't.
1: I, I mean I think yeah I think I think because they're friends. Yeah. Um. But... but. he
3: says it's about the weight of a television, so he he suspects that his friend stole a TV and he has it in the back of the truck.
4: Hmm. I mean, I suppose they have to account for it to be that close in
1: case somebody's trying to smuggle drugs or something like that right uh but he also is like shouting to him like foreshadowing of like yeah you know you got something tangled up there it's gonna you're gonna cause the whole trailer to get ripped right off of your cab yeah
3: we see a newspaper headline which reads butcher strikes again the van makes a sudden left turn and quid has to call attention to himself to follow the van the police are hot on his heels the van keeps trying to lose him in narrower and narrower residential streets A man takes out the trash and drops his glasses in the road, and when he lunges for them, the van and then the truck go by, barely missing the man and his glasses, and when he tries again, the cop car pulls through and crushes them. Quid does a lot of damage to a particularly narrow alley following close behind the green van.
4: Sorry, just to be clear, the cop only crushed the glasses. When you said them, you meant the glasses and not the man. No, just the man. (laughs) But
3: he identified as they them.
1: The man was crushed by the emotions.
3: Oh, I yeah. See, I see. They were crushed both crushed glasses. in their own way. His glasses, by the way, I should mention were only emotionally crushed. <laughs> what? <laughs> the van finally stops and the driver climbs out with a shovel. Quid stops so quickly that the police car behind him actually gets snagged on the back of the trailer and then we have like the most complicated set piece in the film and I'm going to try and describe it <laughs> step by step because it's very complicated what's happening here. There's a narrow, very narrow alley. Mm. There's The van parked at the front, there's this 18-wheeler right up against the back of it, and then there's a police car that's stuck on the hitch on the back of the 18-wheeler's trailer.
1: And and there's a low clearance that's above them.
3: Quid can't open the doors to his truck because the alley is too narrow. So he just watches the man approach and then take out all the lights on the front of his truck with the shovel. One of the cops tries to climb under the trailer to see what's going on up front, but he gets all wrapped up in the hanging knot of wires that the way station man mentioned from the anchor that got sucked under the wheels. When Quid starts driving again, the cop under the trailer is strapped to the trailer because of all these wires. He can't get out of it. And the cop car is also just being dragged by the truck because they yeah. can't get unhooked from the truck.
1: Yeah. So the, the, so the police car driver starts going in reverse.
3: Yeah, he, he puts his car in reverse and just sits on it and just lets the tire spin that way. Um, which is obviously slowing the truck down. But another thing slowing the truck down now is the low clearance. So the top of the trailer is hitting a platform that goes over the alley. So the the forces moving forward is just the engine of the 18-wheeler. The forces moving backward is the police car trying to reverse and tug them off. And then the The trailer... Yeah, and the trailer is just slamming into a static platform that it can't go past. But when the police finally break free their car goes sailing down the street through a big wooden fence because he was going in reverse so fast that yeah. he couldn't make the adjustment. At the same time, the cab of Quid's truck breaks loose from the trailer and actually launches into the air. So the, the, the because he doesn't have this reverse force now, the whole thing goes forward so fast that he rips the trailer off of his cab. The cab goes flying through the air and lands flat on top of the green van, crushing it from above.
1: Yeah, so the 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 torque of the engine with no resistance to pull from behind it with yeah. uh, with the trailer just the torque of the engine just lifts the cab right yeah. straight like in a basically it's doing a wheelie
3: yeah and then it just shoots up and lands flat on top of the green van the trailer behind him nearly crushes the tangled cop underneath it but he's okay because there's enough there's enough support beams that point down that he doesn't actually get crushed by the trailer just falling into the street Quid shines his flashlight into the van and he sees a sleeping bag moving in the back but suddenly the driver pops up behind him and gets a wire around his neck. Quid elbows his way out of strangulation and when the driver shatters a bottle to attack him, Quid tackles the man to the ground and busts his skull against a metal grate in the street until he stops moving. Then, Quid takes the same wire still embedded against his neck and wraps up the man's neck to strangle him back, right when the police arrive.
1: Yeah, the... the, the... He terrible makes, timing yeah <laughs> so many of the things he does throughout the whole movie are yeah. like this like when when he keeps like pushing people to say what are they saying about the killer what kind of truck does he drive it's yeah like, i didn't say he drove a truck you know it's like it, like he, he like, makes why him. do they
3: think he looked like me yeah it's like, i never <laughs> said that he,
1: he he is very good at incriminating himself yeah yeah
3: but the guy was like practically dead already you didn't need to strangle him here The cops all jump Quid as he tries to point them to the man on the ground. Unfortunately for Quid, every driver he's encountered so far is somehow here at the same time to point the finger at him. How does that happen? It's like 3 o'clock in the morning and all these people are like, That guy fucked up my boat. That guy tried to push me off a cliff.
4: Now, I, I was wondering if them here in this moment is a hallucination on his part. Because, like... I get it on a long stretch of freeway where there's just one road yeah. running across all of Australia. Like I get it that you're going to like see each other over and over at all the stops and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. But here they've gone into some sort of town or city and they've yeah. gone through some wild goose chase through alleyways. Why is everyone suddenly here?
3: But it does feel very Hitchcockian for all no, of these people to show sure. up at the same time. <laughs> and Sneezy Rider is like, he tried to steal my motorcycle and then he crashed it.
4: He and you to were there. Assault me with a
1: fan yeah. blade. Uh, it it would have been great had this been like the...
3: The end. He just gets Well, no. Wrapped well, up.
1: God. Like, no. See, like, that's what I was hoping. I was like, yeah. oh, but don't end this way. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, as far as like everyone being here, like if if this alleyway like led to the back or the front entrance to a motel. And, like all and that was are, why they all happened to be here. Yeah, yeah they were all stopped at the sense. same hotel. But that doesn't happen. It's just, yeah. They're all just here Wizard of Oz style.
3: The van driver backs through the crowd of people and Quid begs the police to check the green van. The cops ask if Boswell is Quid's dog.
1: He's not a dog, he's a...
3: He barks. He realizes Boswell is barking, which means that he's not a dingo. The police find a woman in a sleeping bag and pull her out of the van. When they get it off of her head, we see that it's Hitch. She's alive. As the actual killer continues backing away until he bumps into a cop.
2: Where do they go, guys?
3: They ask Hitch which of these men kidnapped her, and she corroborates Quid's testimony. So for future reference, if you want to get away with multiple murders, keep an accomplice tied up in a sleeping bag so that she can claim whoever else they find at the crime scene did it.
1: Well, I'm assuming that there's probably going to be more evidence yeah yeah the van. for sure but um but i do love that the guy's just kind of like slinking away yeah i'm he's, gonna get out of here yeah he doesn't have a, a single line right i mean he's right he's but he's just sign. covered in blood um but again you know even so like due diligence from that cop who, yeah. who stopped him isn't that he's stopping him because he's like being accused he's stopping him because he's a victim of an assault and you need to take a statement yeah yeah like you can't just leave the scene.
3: When the cops are satisfied that Quid is telling the truth, he and Hitch are released, and the next day they walk along the road with Boswell.
2: It's just that when you pay $100 for a dingo, you expect to get a dingo.
3: Quid flags down another big rig, but before he climbs in, he tells Hitch that he worried for a moment that some of those torsos hanging in the trailer weren't pigs.
2: I thought it was you hanging in the back of the truck.
3: Hitch looks uncomfortably at the sandwich in her hands, and we cut to a butcher knife slamming down on some pig meat. The camera drifts through a meat processing facility out onto the trailer, As the last few pigs are unloaded a lady scrubs the floor in what looks like a fairly empty trailer but suddenly she feels a string dangling beside her face and when she tries to yank it down it somehow pulls a human head from the ceiling into her water bucket and she screams as the trailer doors close to show us the tomorrow's bacon message one last time before the credits roll
1: i didn't need this 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 button
3: was was a request by the distributors they mm-hmm. they made him add this on it was supposed to end after the sandwich joke yeah because which i think is the better place to yeah it. i yeah. mean
4: that is clearly the better ending but i don't actually know what that means about the additional
3: i think s- all it all it means of, is, of, is that meat here when the dog was checking the back of the trailer and when the door got left open it was because this guy stashed a head in there
4: well he he clearly stashed ahead but what about the particularly you know the 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 pork halves that look like they had boobs. It
3: was just, it was just pork. Are you sure? Yeah, okay. it was just his own mistake, because the weight didn't change more than the weight of the anchor that's tied up under the thing.
4: Yeah, I mean, maybe I, yeah, the idea that this guy could have sliced up and predicted and mm-hmm. and then planted these in here to make them look exactly yeah, like yeah, pigs yeah. seems yeah. unlikely as well.
3: And also, even if they didn't quite match the pork that was hanging there. I mean, we all know what a fully stripped human torso prepared for consumption <laughs> looks like. <laughs> and neither of those were it. I would say.
1: Well, I mean, that's the whole, the whole point in like, is that, uh, that, uh, what's his name? That Daniel Day Lewis makes in gangs of New York. Right. You say like that pigs anatomy are basically the same as humans when, when you, when you pull them up like this.
3: Yeah. That's why they call human meat long pork. The other They're also supposed be. to taste the same too, or relatively similar. Sorry.
1: Who's saying this?
3: Ah, uh, the chef at the place I go.
1: <laughs> I got a meat guy.
3: It's a it's a special food truck. It's called vannibalism Because <laughs> the van is full of human meat. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was Road Games. It's fun. It's very simple. Um,
4: It was totally not what I was expecting. Yeah, Like, I I mean, I had heard of road games before. I didn't know anything about the plot of the actual movie. I assumed it was going to be about, you know, cars or racing or something. And so this was highly unexpected. Yeah. Much, Um, much
3: more better than you guessed. Yeah. And
4: like the the first two thirds of the movie is is fine. And then the end is just bonkers. And I'm like, all right, that makes up for it. I like it.
3: Yeah. That last set piece is so complicated that it's just like, (laughs) How, like even writing that had to be a crazy right. a crazy weekend.
1: Yeah, it, it, the movie could definitely use some tightening up. Yeah. overall, but it it like you you had mentioned Hitchcock, like it's a very Hitchcockian movie. Yes. Like wrongfully accused man trying to trying to prove something when no one else believes him. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was also pleasantly surprised. Although I feel like there should have been more road games because I think they only play twenty questions once. <laughs> yeah. And and I and I think well that, they also it's,
3: play it's, Mr. Smith or... Jones. Yeah, that's true. But I, I
1: I feel like that would have been more fun. Like had because I know like the game that he plays is guess what these people do. Yeah,
3: and I mean, we also get a little taste of a game that he's been playing with Boswell, where they count the make and models of different mm-hmm. cars that they see on the road at the beginning. But we don't go I into the rules. not
4: associate the actual games with the title <laughs> at all. Yeah. like, well, it's clearly just the game that he's playing, like this cat and mouse game with mm-hmm. this driver. No, that's and just, just one of the many it, games. One of the games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, because you always, what's fun about it is like you always, when you're on a road and you you think it's like, oh, I wonder what what their story is. And you invent a story for people that you see in their cars. Like, what's this person's deal? Um, But uh, I guess, you know, he he casually mentions at the end that he had to pay $100,000. That's how much damage
3: he did to the truck. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, because I'm assuming it's his truck. Um,
3: Well, yeah, the trailer's not his. Right. The truck is his.
1: Right. Yeah. Because it says private contractor. Yeah. Yeah. Or freelance or whatever. It said something on the to that yeah. It said on, like on pat
3: quid transportation um, whatever.
1: But I'm assuming he lost the rig as a result of yeah, because like, he's walking. Yeah, and so like he had to, like the hundred thousand dollars he has to pay comes out. Of, but you think some of that would become with the like I caught a murderer.
3: Yeah, <laughs>
4: there's no money in
1: that. It turns out. <laughs> it turns yeah, out, yeah. You can't you can't commit like, crime. Oh, so you're saying it was an accident crime?
3: that happened as a result of a crime that was being perpetuated against you? No, no, no. I did this no. I, I fucked this truck up on purpose, trying to catch a guy. Okay, well then, no. Yeah, the insurance isn't going to cover that.
1: The guy is charging me for the damage to his van. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think the killer could charge you. Well, I mean, you did damage his property.
3: That's true. Thumbs up, though, for me.
1: Yeah, thumbs up. Absolutely, thumbs up.
3: What are we thinking? Letterboxed. Richard. Richard.
1: Uh, I have it at forty-one. Okay. which uh, puts it below Water in the Woods and above Halloween 2 I have it at 31
4: which is below Body Heat but above Southern Comfort you have it <sighs> way lower
3: I do I have it at 115 oh, I like wow. this movie or, yeah, one fifteen. Really low. Um, it's just under shock treatment and it's right above full moon high.
4: You like too many things though. I do. That's the problem. That is true. I think that this is better than most of the movies we watched for the year.
3: Yeah. The story and direction came from Richard Franklin. Before this, he directed Patrick and later Psycho two, Cloak and Dagger, and FX 2 The writer here was Everett DeRoche. He previously wrote Patrick and Harlequin, and later Razorback, The Quest and most recently he has an inspired by credit on 2013 patrick reboot
1: yeah it's it's so interesting like uh and the your richard franklin richard franklin did cloak and dagger right um and and this film the henry thomas connection yeah henry thomas connection but they also all three films cloak and dagger the quest uh and this film all music by brian may
3: oh okay yeah and because like he's got because he's the only composer in australia (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's that's why he did uh the blue lagoon because it's from the same producer Mm -hmm. and he also did mad max and
1: yeah because i could totally hear like oh man this is definitely like cloak and dagger-esque music in this movie
3: uh the music here is from brian may he's the composer so far for mad max he came back for harlequin stage fright and later road warrior turkey shoot cloak and dagger the quest dr giggles um the editor here was edward mcqueen mason who also cut patrick Stacey Keach played Pat Quid, he was Titus's dad on Titus, he was Mike Hammer on The Mike Hammer Show, he was Ed Pegram in Nebraska, and we've seen him so far as Colonel Kane in the Ninth Configuration, Frank James in The Long Riders, and Sergeant Stadanko in Nice Dreams. Jamie Lee Curtis played Hitch. Curtis has said that she got flack from Australian film workers for taking work away from Australian actress Lisa Pierce, but she obviously had no say in that decision. Her parents were Janet Lee and Tony Curtis. She made her feature film debut with Halloween 1. We've seen her so far in The Fog, Prom Night, Terror Train, a computer voice in Escape from New York, and most recently for us in Halloween 2. She's back later in A Fish Called Wanda, True Lies. More recently, she was awarded her first Oscar for her role in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And she also recently reprised the Laurie Strode role in David Gordon Green's Halloween sequel trilogy. Grant Page played or Jones. He is a famous stuntman in All the Mad Maxes and Son of the Mask. We also saw him as a fictionalized version of himself in Stunt Rock last season. He was the stunt guy who was designing all the stunts for that rock and roll show. Most recently, he has an Inspired by credit on the 2013 Patrick reboot. Thaddeus Smith played Police. He was Mick in Death Games and Deputy Sheriff in Psycho 2. So he's in Road Games and Death Games. Steve Millichamp played Police, he was Roop in Mad Max, and Pommy Bill in Romper Stomper. Alan Hopgood played Lester, he played Captain in Blue Lagoon. John Murphy played Benny Balls, he was a barman in Patrick, and Frank's father in Gallipoli. Robert Thompson played Sneezy Rider, he was Patrick in Patrick. Tony Bishop played The Honeymooner, he's a couple characters each on both Hercules and Xena, which I think both shot in New Zealand, right? Correct. Abby Holmes played Honeymooner. She appears as four characters in four separate episodes of a show about Blue Healers called Blue Healers. It's just it's just called Blue Healers. Carol Ann Aylett played Cleaning Lady. She was Patrick's mother in Patrick and a barmaid in the recent Patrick reboot. She also shows up in an episode of Bluey. <laughs> there you go. As a stripper. What? Though this was in 1977, so probably a different Bluey than the one <laughs> you were
1: thinking of. <laughs>
3: Killer was played by Boswell. Now, Boswell was played by Killer. Killer played Boswell. <laughs> Killer is the name of the dingo not dingo. It's actually an Australian red healer playing a dingo. And the script referred to the dog as Bosco, but they changed it when Keach told director Franklin that that was a brand of chocolate drink in the US. And he was like, oh, never mind then. I'll find something else. And he didn't say, Boswell is a character on Charlie's Angels, so don't go with that. <laughs>
4: But uh, dingoes can bark. By the way, it is. Is that true? It is true. Oh my god! They, it is very rare, but they can only bark. when
3: it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and only if they're cartoon dingoes,
1: or, or if they're trying to point out a killer.
3: Yeah, that's it. So if you hear a dingo bark, fucking run.
1: <laughs> for for many reasons. Yeah. <laughs> it's a killer dingo. They also
3: eat babies. I don't know if you knew this.
1: You know that's a true story. A woman lost her child. <laughs>
3: That's from uh, Tropic Tropic Thunder. (laughs) I didn't
1: know it was a true
4: story. And now I feel bad when we quote that movie and make fun of it.
3: Could be worse. He could have eaten a baby. No (laughs) dango. I ain't no dango. I think that's everything for road games. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, you can find all our socials at linktree slash vintage video pod. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Don't Go in the Woods, which IMDB describes like so. Four friends camping in the woods inadvertently stumble upon the domain of a maniacal killer. We leave you now with a trailer for Don't Go in the Woods. For some people, a simple warning is
0: never enough. By the time Alma heard it, it was too late. Something's out there in the woods, and it's killing people. Joni never thought it could happen to her. Ingrid and Peter couldn't believe it happened to them. Something's out there waiting something a little bit wild and crazy for some people a simple warning is never enough it's your decision Ah! if you want it chopped off just take it to the woods remember the call of the wild is the last thing on earth you want to hear Don't go in the woods. It's coming soon. For some people, a simple warning is never enough.